We are encountering silence. Encountering Silence is made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Please visit patreon.com forward slash encountering silence to learn more about how you can be part of the circle and share in our efforts to bring silence into our all too noisy world. So it was the first week of December in 2017 that we released the first episode of the Encountering Silence podcast. So we are informally calling this episode, today's episode, Happy Birthday, Encountering Silence. And with this episode, we enter into the terrible twos. It's been an interesting journey when Cassidy and Kevin and I originally spoke about doing a podcast together, our original thought was simply a conversation with the three of us. The podcast has evolved to include many, many guests, many people who have joined us for one or more episodes, enriching the conversation. But I know I can speak at least for myself that I still have tremendous affection for these two people who are my co-hosts and for the opportunity for the three of us to just sit down and share our common love and yet our diverse in some ways love for silence. So today, it's just the three of us celebrating our two-year anniversary and reflecting on what a journey this has been. And to begin, I think Cassidy has a poem for us. Well, with this lawnmower or whatever it might be blasting in the background, I wanted to read a poem titled Everything by Mary Oliver. I want to make poems that say right out plainly what I mean that don't go looking for the laces of elaboration, puffed sleeves. I want to keep close and use often words like heavy, heart, joy, soon, and to cherish the question mark and her bold sister, the dash. I want to write with quiet hands. I want to write while crossing the fields that are fresh with daisies and everlasting, the ordinary grass. I want to make poems while thinking of the bread of heaven and the cup of astonishment. Let them be songs in which nothing is neglected, not a hope, not a promise. I want to make poems that look into the earth and the heavens and see the unseeable. I want them to honor both the heart of faith and the light of the world, the gladness that says, without any words, everything. And that's from New and Selected Poems, Volume 2. The reason that really stuck out to me was that a few lines, but especially that, that final line, the gladness that says, without any words, everything. That's interesting, the word gladness. And I think I'm, I'm hopping on that word because one of the kind of surprises for me in doing this podcast has been our willingness and the willingness, especially of some of our conversation partners, to look at places where silence doesn't necessarily meet gladness. I'm thinking about Walter Brueggemann, who we just interviewed recently, but then also 
Barbara Holmes or Therese Taylor Stinson. Uh, just a number of our, our conversation partners have really helped us to explore how silence can sometimes meet trauma or sometimes meet a sense of being silenced, a sense of being marginalized. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of, and without taking anything away from those conversations, because I think they're very important conversations, but I, I, I just want to celebrate that there is a gladness that can be found in silence too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the beautiful thing in that poem too is the gladness of everything, right? The two together. And everything would include sorrow. So and the, everything would include nothing. Right. Right. So it's it's so it's this beautiful thing of well, words, you know, paradoxically, we've talked about this so many times, and this is what's so funny about a podcast about silence is to talk about it and words can't capture the fact that our, our, that silence can hold everything you know and somehow hold it in gladness can you hold in glad can you hold your sorrow in gladness can you hold your pain in gladness you know and without turning it into gladness because pain is pain mm-hmm. sorrow is sorrow and as our conversation partners have made clear to us it's not like we want to run away to some utopian Pollyanna niceness and like, let's just get along and let's be smiling. And no, there's a lot of trauma. There's things that need to be changed. There's a lot of pain that should be overcome. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. healing that needs to be done. And we need to stand up when those times call for that to stand up. But that poem beautifully holds together gladness and everything. That paradox, that words don't seem to be able to hold. You know, I'm reminded of all the different answers to some of the same questions we ask all our conversation partners, Mm. things like your first experience of silence. You know, we've had negative and positive responses, questions about toxic silence, questions about silence heroes. You know, we've even had pushback on some of those questions Mm. in terms of how people have um, responded. And it's been, it's been beautiful. And I wonder if we were to encapsulate, what this podcast is for us and or what's what's your elevator pitch for this podcast you guys i think maybe that's my question it's a great question let me dodge the question for a moment but i hope we can come back to it (laughs) (laughs) gives you a chance to think about it yeah i'd like to pose another question for each of you can you think of almost a soundbite maybe one sentence or one phrase from one of the conversations that we've had that has really stuck out for you and that has kind of haunted you. And I'll go first because I thought of one that made me formulate the question. And, and ironically, it was one of the episodes that I wasn't present at. It was Rebecca Bratton-Rice, which the two of you interviewed at Convivium, the Convivium gathering. And she said, and I can't remember the exact context, but she said, I'm a Catholic woman. I've been silenced all my life. Mm. And that was such a rich and, and in some ways challenging statement for me as a Catholic man and as somebody who enjoys the privilege of meeting silence in a Catholic context 
and, and kind of meeting that monastic contemplative silence, which has been so nurturing for me personally. And I think Rebecca's statement really encapsulated for me the responsibility that I must carry. It's okay for me to go to a monastery and just kind of drink the silence that for me is a silence of gladness. But the price for the privilege of doing that, and I'm choosing my word carefully because I do think it is a privilege, the price of the privilege of doing that is that I must never forget all the people for whom silence is a form of trauma or a form of oppression. So, um, so that statement really has just haunted me ever since I first heard it. So I'm just curious if there's, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a challenging statement. It could be also a statement of opening up as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think of a couple. I think of a one that kind of made me laugh, but kind of made me say, oh, right, was uh, Kathleen Norris. Um, and we were talking about liturgy and prayer. And she said, structuring a life around writing is as crazy as structuring a life around prayer. Mm-hmm. So that one kind of made me, made me chuckle and think, okay, you know, there's a craziness to, to those kinds of things. But the one that really challenged me is a recent with Walter Brueggemann, and he said, anybody who is not in touch with the pain of the world probably is not a truth teller. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked a lot on this podcast about silence and contemplative life as being a, a place where we, where we get in touch with the pain of the world, and it's, it's not necessarily easy, and it doesn't necessarily feel good in what we're talking about you know, the joy and the gladness of silence, there, there is that deep connectivity to the rest of humanity that, that really allots for the gladness, um, but it also gets us deeper in touch with each other. So I think that really embodied a lot of, of things that I had felt surrounding silence. And I'm going to say that again. Anybody who is not in touch with the pain of the world probably is not a truth teller. Mm. And of course, in this day and age in which we live and which we can't count on the truth to be spoken to us <laughs> or be in places where we once could reliably find truth, whether that's, you know, the news or what we're reading. That was very striking for me. Mm. Honestly, it's hard for me to actually pick any one. And I know this sounds like a cop out, but, but each episode for me, has really, really been a powerful moving experience every single time. And I know that sounds like a cop-out, but it really, the quotes you guys gave, you know, even as you gave them, knocked me again. I, I When I was in the room and I heard it, when Walter Brueggemann, Dr. Brueggemann gave that quote, that was like a slap. Like it was like a loud clapping noise in the room. And it felt so powerful. And... Carl, your comment, I was sitting right next to Rebecca. She was on my left-hand side as she said that. I remember like this loud slap, like somebody was clapping their hands really loudly. And it was like, Kevin, wake up. Like, so it feels like each of those episodes, I I almost can't think of an episode where there was a moment like that. Every single time there was a moment like that. And it's, it's, and so for me to try to pick one, and say, well, that one really strikes me um, because those you just mentioned strike me and haunt me too. They really do. And and there are other ones too. Just off the top of my head, the one that popped in my head, and it's so strange. I don't know why, but right now this is powerful for me, is our conversation with Cynthia Bourgeau, 
when she made the comment, and I was kind of surprised. Here we were, we were talking, and I forget what the context was, but we were asking, hey, you do this church stuff. You know, how do we get more contemplation in churches? And her kind of comment back was like, I'm not sure churches are a place where we should have silent. <laughs> like parishes and churches might be doing a different thing. It might be doing a different worship or maybe it's time to get together and see each other face to face. And maybe it's okay. Maybe it's okay that Sunday, even if the worship's horrible, maybe it's just good enough that we got together and said some prayers and it became a social. As she goes, if church was just a social hour, maybe that's all it needs to be. You know, if 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 that's the place we are in the church, where it's evolved to that place, you know, maybe silence is not the place in church. And I thought, wow, contemplation not being in church was a, was a surprise for me because theologically, contemplation is the foundation of prayer and liturgy and everything. And to say, well, maybe not, kind of was a push for me. But there are so many times now, thinking back, everything that we've done, I don't really have one particular quote I can cite. You know, another thing I noticed is that the warmth of all the people that we've been lucky enough to have on the podcast, um, when we have individually run into them in public places or conferences or meetings, their warmth, for instance, I ran into Therese Taylor Stinson at Wild Goose, and of course, Larita Coleman-Brown and I were roommates at Wild Goose, which was quite fun. <laughs> uh, but the warmth is just, it was remarkable. It was like, yes, of course we would have these people on the podcast. They are incredible people doing hard heart work and real silence work and real contemplative work that is, it comes through in their in their warmth and their personalities and their kindness and their openness. I've just been really blessed by that. I do recall too, and didn't you also had an interaction with Bushi at the uh, Wild Goose as well, right? Yes. So. He and I had a great chat about, uh, several chats about inclusivity of LGBTQ people. And it was a really beautiful talk. And we were both talking about how, you know, next year if we're invited back, we're going to wear pure, our pure rainbow outfits. So <laughs> that's um, great. He, yeah, he was really, really fun to chat with. And he has a beautiful life story, as we know now. All right. Our conversation will continue after this brief moment of silence. Please take a break with us and be present in this short period of silence. You know, as I'm sitting here too, now that you've asked that question, Carl, the floodgates have opened and I'm, my mind is just wandering. I'm I'm recalling back with such fondness when we were able to interview uh, and Cassidy went and visited Sister Meg Funk. And all yes. of a sudden that interview turned into just the three of us sitting there and getting a masterclass in contemplation <laughs> from the Christian point of view from someone who's really walked the path deeply. 
speaking of master classes, I mean, we could essentially list off all of our guests. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also drawn to uh, Jim Jim Finley. Oh my lord, yes. And <laughs> and his his I mean, not just his Merton stories, his incredibly contemplative perspectives on on so many different things and he was marvelous to speak with well that one time where he basically we contacted him and he said he would come back for a second time and it was just this open talk almost like you know i would have paid a hundred dollars to see that in person and he just gave that for free (laughs) it was unbelievable so to circle back around to your question cassidy you know what's the elevator pitch i don't know if i can do an elevator pitch for the podcast that'd be interesting to try but i think what i'd like to say is some of the things that I think silence really, if I was almost like a starter's guide for the the podcast, I'm starting to think of some things that if someone came up to me, if I can't give them a 30 second pitch, what could I say? And I would want to talk about what silence is. If someone said, what do you mean by silence? Uh, I think that question kind of lays out for me in various directions. One of the first things I would say, there's so many, but I think one of the first things I would say is to latch onto what Carl said at the beginning that idea of joy from that poem and enjoying is there is this other moment. I think what is important about this podcast is we want to tell people there is this other moment. So just like the news may not tell us the, the truth anymore, or there, I think it's, it's deeper than that. Our culture has kind of forgotten that there's contemplative moment for human beings, that to truly live there's this other moment where we shift out of kind of a self-conscious worrying and doing and achieving. And there's this other moment that can happen when we're out in nature, when we're with our friends, when we're with people, and we can just deeply be there and be silent. There's no words for that, but you're in, in your body, you're present, and you can just be fully alive that doesn't always get talked about in popular culture. For us, in our world, we're supposed to do things. We have to-do lists. You know, we're supposed to achieve stuff. And to really realize that there's non-performance, as my brother said when he came on here, a, a guy who does exercise for a living, and one of the first things he wanted to talk about was like, let's talk about doing nothing. Like, this is an important moment in what it means to be human. And that space opens up the door to a deeper sense of who we are as beings so that we can embrace everything about ourselves, not erase any part of ourselves, not try to fit in any box, but to be fully present as we are, whatever that looks like, with no boundaries. Incorporate that into nature that's around us, other humans that are around us, etc. The whole thing is there. And that moment then allows us to really be fully who we are inside and in present in the world. And I think that would be the first step. But then the second step for me would be to say, and now when you do that, we're going to recognize the pain, we're going to recognize the trauma, and we're going to recognize how sometimes silence is not that moment, but sometimes silence is somebody else trying to stop you from being that full thing. And so those two moments, that play of silence for me is, hey, there's something deeper to allow yourself to be fully you. And then there's this mother moment where somebody might use the silence to not allow you to actually come forth fully. And to that struggle back and forth to see we need the silence, but let's not use the silence to hurt 
Let's allow the silence to open us and to connect us. I think that for me, if I was trying to do an elevator pitch, I'd have to boil that down into a few sentences of how silence is a necessary thing. It's a beautiful thing. Our culture doesn't always talk about it. It's not there in our classrooms. It's not there in our business meetings. And yet, sometimes when silence is used, it's used in an opposite way. And to see that interplay, I think those two moments have really come up in all, a lot of our conversations on this podcast. I'm, I'm going to hop onto that, Kevin. And again, in response to the elevator pitch, and this is something that I have thought a lot about in recent weeks, and I've had some conversations with them, you guys, you know, when the microphone wasn't turned on, but about how sometimes marketing can actually be aggressive in mm -hmm. our culture, mm -hmm. that there might even be an element of bullying in how we market, mm -hmm. you know, kind of this basic marketing narrative that until you buy my product, you're really not okay. You, you need, you need my product to be, to be, you know, to be an effective business person or to, or to win, you, you know, your, your favorite lover or to live the good life, to be happy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think, you know, kind of playfully, Casty, I would say that the elevator pitch is that there is no elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. You're going to pull a and, John Cage 433 on us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, really. And that kind of our, our marketing lead is we're, we're not here trying to sell you anything. You know, yeah, yeah, we, we, we make pitches for Patreon. But at the end of the day, that's gift economy. Mm -hmm. We give the podcast away. And, we, and, and those people who feel led to make a gift to us, that's a wonderful completing of the circle. But the podcast is just as much for people who don't support us as for people who do. That we're not sitting here trying to exploit a deficiency. We're simply sharing what is meaningful for us, what we love. And, and you know, to, again, to bounce off of Kevin, this love of silence and this love of a of a vision that takes us away from oppression or from the abuse of silence. That silence is so beautiful that we have to speak out against its abuse. And that seems to be what has really, I think for me, emerged as kind of the, the heart of this conversation, this two year long conversation we've been having. And, and it's, it's really, it's really meaningful for me. And I like the idea of, the gift economy and, and moving on. And people say oftentimes like, oh, I, I would love to support you, but I can't give you the money or something because there's this idea in our culture of money. And I say, well, you could, if you want to support us, you just pass the gift on, share the podcast, tell people about it, rank it on iTunes. I don't know. You know, you don't have to, it, it's not a money thing here. It's about a sharing. What you just said, Carl, I think a nice response to me would, based on what I said is, is somehow I, I just want people to hear the message about silence. That, that, that the elevator pitch is like, hey, there's this other moment. Did you reckon, have you recognized, you know, we said the first episode and I, I say all the time when I teach, it's like there's this blind spot that we just, I just want people to notice the blind spot because it can make a huge difference. And, and let's be clear, this podcast is such a labor of love for us. Mm -hmm. We get to talk to all these awesome people. <laughs> yes, it's about unbelievable. Silence and yeah. contemplation and it's mind-blowing. I mean, I had no idea we'd ever get to speak to 
any of these people. Right. Or right. That I would ever get to speak to any of these people. Right. Harper um, Palmer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. give me a break. It's unbelievable that we've had Aunt this Gwen opportunity. Kathleen yeah. <laughs> you know, and Jim uh, Martin. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's been, it's been unreal. And I think I love the way that we all kind of describe what this is differently to us. You know, like I, I would probably talk about how we talk about the beauty of silence and we talk about the side of silence that silences people and toxic silence as we call it on the podcast. And, and we talk about silence is the meeting place for knowing what we have to say when it's time to speak up and speak out. But at the end of the day, it's really interesting because you could kind of funnel all of our responses to be quite clear, though we might describe it differently. Mm. And I think Carl really knocked it out of the park when he said silence is so beautiful that we have to speak out against its abuse. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of covers both sides of the coin for me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's great. And makes it, yeah, quite, quite clear. But this, this is such a joy to do with you guys. And it's something I never thought I would do. I've met so many wonderful people and listeners through doing this. Oh my and God. Yeah. When, when people at my school, for instance, come up and say they, they've listened to my podcast or have heard our podcast. I'm just like, really? Right. Thank you. Right. <laughs> well, I, I had the one weird experience where I teach, you know, as a adjunct professor and at my, the university, they asked me to speak on the podcast and I did. And people showed up and I actually had somebody ask for my autograph. And that was the weirdest thing in my entire wow. life. <laughs> because I said, why would you? And she, she said, could I have your autograph? And I said, why? And she burst out <laughs> laughing. And I'm like, uh, and she's like, because you're a podcaster. And, and I still couldn't wrap my head around. I said, like, I'll sign anything you want me to. But <laughs> it's so funny. I have one more question for the two of you. And maybe we can answer it very briefly. Yep. But looking back over the past two years, what has surprised you the most about encountering silence? I think what surprised me the most is the perpetual revelation of silence as infinite spaciousness and the perpetual revelation of the sides of silence, good and bad, as infinite. I've been really, really blessed to talk with people about social justice issues in the podcast. And that's really been encouraging to me to know that both under in understanding the toxic silences, but also in understanding that a lot of people involved in social justice issues have a very deep, rich inner life and talking with them about it has really encouraged my own personal practice mm -hmm. and encouraged my own understanding of that marriage and that need for inner and outer life and inner and outer work. I think my answer would be something similar is the infinite nature of silence. And I think the most surprising thing for me, since you've already taken the interconnection of social justice and silence, I think I'll, because I completely agree. Uh, that has surprised me, uh, the intimate nature of activists and their silence. But I think I'll jump on the one I'm thinking of Dr. Barbara Holmes. I think what surprised me about that interview was her talk about African-American silence 
not being silent and yet silent. And the, her interplay of the moan and the praise and the mm-hmm. singing and the dancing, she framed it in such a way that initially, of, I, of course, as I hear it, I go, of course. But at the moment when she said it, it was a shock to me that I would say, well, I was thinking silence and I was, I was way too literal about it. And she really opened the doors of the infinite sense that silence plays these other roles. And so how silence is so enfolded in everything. Back to that Mary Oliver poem that silence and everything is together. That, that's the shocking thing for me. And to keep unpeeling that onion. And I think all I would have to add to what both of you say, said, and that I certainly agree with both of you, is that the surprise for me, I think I came in here with a very narrow sense of, you know, I meet silence through contemplative practice. And contemplative practice is still very central to my personal journey. But I think that the conversation, both among the three of us and then with our our many dialogue partners, has really given me a sense that contemplation is everywhere too. Mm -hmm. We talk about silences everywhere, but that you don't have to be a Christian or a Buddhist or a a religionist or a mindfulness practitioner, nothing against any of the above, but that the, the contemplative stance can be met. I mean, think of Carrie Newcomer. Mm. You know, and finding the silence in the midst of the music, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, a recurring theme in this podcast has been finding silence in the midst of poetry or in the midst of language. And so that has been a real gift for me. And I, I, I hope we can have more opportunities to speak with people. I'm thinking of Helen Lees, you know, people who are educators, who are psychologists, scientists, people who, who maybe are outside the traditional boundaries of what we think of as religion or spirituality, but who are doing really, really important work in terms of, of the beauty of silence and the justice of silence. So mm. thank you guys. I love you both. And I'm just so happy to be on this adventure with you. Love you back. It's amazing. Yeah. Same. <laughs> are encountering silence. I'm Carl McCollman. To learn more about me, please visit carlmccollman.com. I'm Cassidy Hall. Find out about my work at cassidyhall.com. I'm Kevin Johnson. My current website is kevinmichaeljohnson.com. Please visit the podcast's website at EncounteringSilence.com, where you can learn more about each of our episodes and find links to purchase books and other resources we discuss on the podcast. When you make a purchase through a link we provide, the podcast receives a small affiliate commission from Amazon.com. Thank you for doing so. Please also visit Patreon.com forward slash Encountering Silence. To learn more about how you can be part of our circle of supporters and share in our efforts to bring meaningful conversations about silence to our all-too-noisy world. Thank you.